the dead don't die Any more than you or I They're just ghosts inside the dream Of a life that we don't know They walk around Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is Kelsey Loisel. I am a writer and editor for ScreenGeek.com. Dot net, sorry. Dot net. <laughs> fix, fix your shit. Sorry. <laughs> um, and with me is my uh, my co-host. Uh, Mark Salcedo, managing editor and writer for ScreenGeek.net. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't know what we're about, what's wrong with you? um just kidding uh we are podcasts about film we talk about you know the news we have different segments um we have all you know all kinds of shenanigans going on but Mm -hmm. really the meat and potatoes of uh what we like to do is um talk about viewpoints of film from someone who like mark is what uh cinephile and you were essentially raised in a bunker, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't really have any um, any type of like nostalgia love or anything like that for a lot of these films because you didn't... I re- didn't grow well, up with grow up with, with film, so... Yeah, so you pretty much missed out on, you know, what was cool, you know, the phrases, the yeah, baby, and swing and all that kind of stuff. Mm. You have no idea. Well, I got part. yeah, baby, because, okay. you know, I'm not that... Bunkerish. That bunkerish. <laughs> yeah, you actually said something to me a couple days ago that I was like, holy shit, she actually knows this. You actually, fuck, you yelled at me about it too. Might have been a song. I think it was a song. Yeah, something like that. But <laughs> that was very surprising. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, we'll talk about the news, we'll do different segments. And then when it comes to the film, um, you'll get Mark's viewpoint from someone who loves film and you know usually he'll know it we don't always do film that we've both seen um especially when we do the new the new film that you know just came out yeah recent film and then there's always like uh like a connection that we that's a connection we find to the older film which we call uh geriatric cinematic um Um, and this week actually it's going to be um would you call it? Um, oh, ensemble cast. Ensemble cast. Yeah, there you go. it's like great ensemble cast. Because uh, I remember last week we did Dark Phoenix, and it was just like a Brian Singer connection. Right. This one is like great ensemble cast. Uh, Kelsey, you want to tell them what movies we're going to be talking about? Yes, um, we're actually going to be talking about the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. Or Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums. Yes, the Wes Anderson 2001 One. film. Yep, 2001. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then for our recent review, we're going to do The Dead Don't Die, uh, which is, and I can't even say his name. Uh, Jim, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, Jim yeah. Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch is a musician, a video director, very, very artsy movie director. Uh, the reason we're actually, it's funny, Jim Jarmusch is one of those guys that, I don't know, I just kind of missed out on. Like, he's made, like, these really great artsy films, and I haven't really seen him. The only one I've seen of his is, like, Broken Flowers, and that's it. But he did this movie called Patterson that I heard is really good. 
He did the uh, Rolling Stones documentary, Give Me Danger. Um, what else did he do? Like Dead Man with Johnny Depp. His most uh, well, well-beloved film is Stranger Than Paradise, which is part of the Criterion Collection. Never seen that, but I keep it just keeps popping up like greatest movies to see or some shit like that. Mm. I was wondering if you'd seen any of his stuff because, um, you know, I can't wait to talk about... I can't wait to talk about him when uh, when that segment comes up. Yeah, the recent release uh, segment. Yeah, because we got <sighs> we got some stuff to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but first, we're gonna go over the news. Yes, we Kelsey. are. Mm-hmm. What's in the news? Um, Russian doll. Mm-hmm. So that's I think maybe we talked about that in the first episode we did. Um, season two is coming to Netflix. Yes. Um, anyone who's watched that series, the Netflix series, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm. But, you know, cause it's coming back to Netflix. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm going to continue. Um, it ended in such a way where it kind of can't continue on with that storyline. So, um, it, it's kind of hard for anyone to know or understand where that might go. Yeah. Um, they said it, 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 the uh, the creator, uh, what's her name? Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, it is, uh, what's it called? Leslie Headland. Um, she said that she kind of had an idea that it would be a th- like a three season type show, correct? Yeah, it was going to be three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, um, I think she said it wasn't meant to be like every season was a continuation of the same story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm glad it's coming back for, you know, a second season. Um, it, what, the thing that I'm wondering about is um, I heard that it's possible that it's going to be kind of like an anthology series where... Um, Nadia is her name. Mm-hmm. The yeah. the character, uh, yeah. Natasha Leon. Yeah, Natasha Leon, who played Nadia. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is going to be in each season in um in one way or another. So she was like a main character in the first season. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the second season, she might like haunt the you know like kind of come back and like yeah. you'll see her in bits and pieces like she's kind of inserting herself or you know maybe you'll see her at a different point in her life or something but yeah so she's coming back for the second season yeah. so that'd be funny if they just had her like the person the person that the new subject just kind of like kind of kind of just like bumps into yeah. like hey where are you going and then like that's it yeah that's like that's her only I think it'd be kind show. of interesting if they just follow yeah. the homeless guy yeah, because he, he seemed like he knew something, right? Yeah, that yeah, would be good. really interesting. Yeah, maybe like... Maybe he, he does get to cut her hair. Oh, yeah. Or like, I don't know, maybe it'd be interesting if like they had him, but like what led up to him becoming homeless, like maybe he lost his mind or some shit, and maybe the exact same thing that's happening, that happened to, uh, that happened to Nadia happened to him, but it just like fucked up his head. Yeah. And like that's what happened to him. That'd be kinda of interesting to see how well I've already predicted the second season, so <laughs> <laughs> uh so speaking of predictions and plots and all of that, mm-hmm. um what is the uh next segment that you want to talk about? Uh oh the next but, news the next news uh article. Well before we jump into that, 
I do want to point out, you had directed me towards this video of uh, kind of going back oh, to yeah, Russian Doll. Of Natasha Leone, she told this incredibly funny story uh, on Vice. Yes, and they animated the story uh, to like a like a five minute segment or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, um, you know, she went out with uh, some of the Orange Is the New Black yeah, uh, cast. cast. Mm-hmm. Um, she's part of that show, in case you didn't know, and um, mm-hmm. it kind of shows her wild shenanigans on a night out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I think she's from Jersey. You know how those Jersey people are. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> like, yeah. if you want to have a good time, you're going to choose yeah. someone from Jersey. Yeah, she's been... that uh, Natasha Leone, she's actually had of a history in Hollywood of being kind of like a party animal. That's one of the reasons why she disappeared for a little while. I think she had to go to like rehab or something like that. But she has like a long history of like just going out and indulging in her vices. Yeah, that's why she ended up on Vice. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I indulge in my Vice. Can I get a Vice segment? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so the second part of our news is uh, there were some plot details that came out about an abandoned X-Men versus Fantastic Four movie. Um, as everybody knows, uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, or Dark Phoenix came out last week, and it bombed at the box office. Um Fox is said to lose about $100 million through the film. It's been critically panned. A lot of fans didn't like it either. <clears throat> it's like a sad ending to the old X-Men franchise if they don't release New Mutants. But there's some plot details that came out about this Fantastic Four X-Men crossover. So the film would have combined X-Men Fantastic Four you know, in a crossover battle. Uh, Hollywood Reporter had, the Hollywood Reporter reports that... Uh, what they would happen was Johnny Storm would go supernova while apprehending a villain. It would be Molecule Man. Uh, Johnny blows a hole in Manhattan and sparks the Superhero Registration Act. Sounds like Civil War. Uh, also sounds like the DMV. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, there's like Captain America and the DMV line, you know. <laughs> All right. Your, uh, your superhero status is up for renewal. Yeah, seriously. Read these letters with one eye open. Can, and this is like supervillains. And he has to like You have call to read up. these letters with your x ray vision through the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's see how hard you can throw that shield. <laughs> uh, okay, so what would have happened was it would have split the heroes. Uh, it would have split the hero. It would have split the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. And there would have been like this battle between Wolverine and Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic would have like ended up cutting off Wolverine's hand. In order for him to do this, he would have had to like, it's pretty much like, uh, like slim his fingers down to like an inch. I, I forgot what was the number, but it's like some crazy number. The only way he can cut Wolverine's hand off, which is really weird because, you know, animantium and all that stuff. And after this battle would have happened, the heroes would have made peace, and then it would have led up to a scroll invasion. So we would have got like a Secret Wars storyline where the scrolls come in and take over. Um, Paul Greengrass, the guy behind the Bourne movies and a few other great films, was set to direct it, but he has like a lot. Of, he had a lot of projects at the time, so he jumped. He jumped ship, and the project fell apart. Oh, I'm really glad that it did. It sounds boring as shit to me. Yeah. So, given that you've seen you've seen Dark Phoenix, you've seen some of the other X Men films. I know you've seen Logan. I, I saw the first two, I think, mm. and then I, and I did see Logan. Okay. 
Now, Logan's a great film. Okay, but everything else is kind of shit. Wolverine is kind of all right. That third act goes to shit, which should be on our deathbed do-over. We should definitely do that. Um, so do you think that this, if, they, if Fox took this route, because at the time they owned uh, Deadpool, they owned Fantastic Four, they owned Daredevil. Daredevil was supposed to jump in it as well. Um, do you think this would have saved the X-Men franchise? Nope. No, not really? Not even a little bit. Damn. <clears throat> yeah, I, And I don't know anything about um, Paul Greengrass at all. I don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really... If, if it's just going to be... I don't see a franchise ending on two groups of comic book characters that everyone loves battling it out against each other. Mm-hmm. As a like, I don't see that as a way that would save. If I find that type of infighting irritating, as I'm sure a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and then you know, of course, oh, they're gonna come together, and then they're gonna beat the bad guys, and oh, there's the scrolls. It's almost like let's bore you with this. You know, we want to, we want you to see what these people can do against each other in the epic battle. Yeah. Of the heroes. And then they're going to come together and then, oh, look, it's the scrolls. Let's dangle that carrot in front of your nose. But you just, you pretty much just described Civil War leading into Infinity Wars. Yeah, but they did it in a way that it wasn't like they were leading you through it. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like. So you're saying like if they gave it the time to lead up to this battle, it would have been more effective. It would have because you're already invested. That is true. But once, right. if you were if you were going through this story the way that they that it's written here, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be really forced and quick, and you're gonna you're gonna know what they're trying to do to you. Yeah, because at, I do remember that um, those Fantastic Four movies, uh, they were the first two were my opinion god awful but there's still some love to them but i don't i don't remember anybody really talking about like how invested they were into these characters or into into the story and x-men i don't i don't know x-men they've they've been so in and out all over the place with like the cast and like changing it up Mm -hmm. i'm assuming this would have taken place after first class which was like a whole new cast of x-men characters but but then the same thing with the Fantastic Four characters, because we've had different iterations of them as well. Yeah, I think I actually think this was supposed to take place before that remake that came out that Josh Trank did about f- three or four years ago. You mean the one where Captain America was? Uh... No, uh, no, that that no, that's that's the old one. The remake <laughs> had Killamonger was fucking Johnny Storm. Uh, Michael oh, Michael, okay. Michael uh, B. Jordan. He was. Johnny Storm. Okay. Yeah. And what's his name? Miles Teller. They get it from um, Whiplash. He played Mr. Fantastic. Oh, that movie's so bad. It's like frustratingly bad. Like, oh my God. If I, if I showed you that movie, you'd be like, why'd you do this to me? You would, you would punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Show it to me so I can punch you in the face. No. Can't mess up this beautiful mug. Beautiful mug. I bought all kinds of mugs this week. I don't need yours. <laughs> Oh, you know, I got the one that says, don't be a salty bitch. You know, it's got the Morton girl on it. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites. So I'm no longer 
I'm, I'm no longer No, you can take your meow meow motherfuckers mug that I bought you and go sit in the corner and drink your coffee and cry about me punching you in the face. I'm not going to cry about it with that badass fucking mug. <laughs> meow meow motherfucker. I love that mug. <laughs> anyway, so back to back to the topic. Okay, so you thought so you think that it wouldn't have saved the franchise. No, I, th- I, pr- I think it would have just added to its woes. It would have been like, okay, here's another fucked up movie, whatever. Yeah, I honestly think that it wouldn't have saved the franchise either because they were going to include Deadpool. This is the Deadpool from X-Men Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which everybody hates that Deadpool. So it would have been like, it would have been like bad, it would have been bad characters from a bad movie thrown into another movie <laughs> that had questionable so characters? they're just gonna throw all the bad characters from all the bad movies that mm-hmm. nobody liked and put them all into one yeah. epically bad movie yeah it's essentially like a garbage to pile. see if it would make it better nah yeah, yeah it would have just been bad and fox i i don't i don't know it would have just been all down they probably would have got simon kenberg to write the fucking script i'm glad they decided not to try that oh the the x-men meet versus fantastic four yeah <sighs> yeah it was ugh. <laughs> not been happy about that <laughs> speaking of not trying things mm-hmm. our uh, our next segment is try this not that uh yes uh i'm gonna take rain rains rain the rains. i'm gonna take the rains on this one um so i checked out a couple of shows uh one is the chef show uh netflix it's on netflix came out uh re- fairly recently maybe about a couple weeks ago uh created by john favreau and roy Choi. And essentially what the show is about is uh, John Favreau, the director, uh, meets up with uh, Chef Roy Choi, who created this kind of like food truck franchise called Kabachi, I think, or something like that. Kabachi food. It's a mixture of like uh, like maybe Chinese and Korean dishes and like a fusion kind of thing. Asian fusion? Yeah, it's an Asian fusion dish. Delicious fucking food. Uh, him and Roy, uh, John Favreau and Roy Choi met each other on the set of Chef, a film that Favreau was directing, uh, because they wanted like a legit uh, chef consultant. Mm-hmm. They hit it off. So now they do a show where they cook for celebrities or celebrities will cook with them. And they just talk about food and just talk about stories. And Well, they talk stories. It, it reminds me a lot of um, that, John, that Jerry Seinfeld show called uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. But it it still reminds me of John Farrell's old IFC show called Dinner with Friends. Same premise, but this time John Farrell is actually cooking the food. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the show. I actually watched the first episode of it. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? Um, first of all, I really like the the little animations in between the segments. Oh, the stop motion, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, it makes everything so interesting, and then you know. You know what they're going to make because they tell you what they're going to make. And then they use a stop, the stop motion animation to mm-hmm. like, it's like the truck goes over a bump yeah, and, and the, the food, food just like goes up out. into the air yeah. and it expands all the ingredients and they, they tell you everything, like all the ingredients really fast, you yeah. know, like, um, and then it all collapses back down and then, you know, they go into their little segment. Um, and it's, it's interesting if you, if you like podcasts or, if you just want to put something on, I didn't find it particularly funny, mm. but I definitely, it f- made me feel warm, I guess. Like, you know, cause I tend to feel really weird at night when I'm by myself, mm. not like 
I'm in danger or anything, but just like yeah, you're just kind of like you want to like there's nobody around, and I want to feel like that human connection or something. Yeah, this this like this show is a great uh, palate cleanser if you've been watching anything like depressing. Yeah, like you know Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I I got done watching Chernobyl, and I was gonna jump on your show Chambers, and I was like, oh, do I want to jump into a depression show from another depression show? Let me go ahead and watch the Chef show. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, it's, it's, it's not really funny. There are a couple times we might chuckle, but other than that, it's just like great, a uh, great show to watch, especially if you love cooking shows. If you love, I think, yeah, if you love cooking shows and if mm. you love podcasts, because it comes out, it kind of comes across as like a podcast on film, the way I feel yeah. about it. Yeah. You can like definitely, <clears throat> you can like definitely do something while it plays in the background You can occasionally like turn your head to look, uh, see what they cook. Some of the shit that they cook looks fucking delicious like do not wash this while you're hungry well they made something though that was like packaged or something mm-hmm. oh the um it was like some type of like pastry dish right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny because uh john favreau was so excited about this it mm-hmm. was like something that he remembered or whatever that he used to love yeah and so they made it together and then roy Choi was like what is this? Like, <laughs> he took a bite of it and he spit it out and he was trying to be polite about it. But then he's like, I mean, you could tell that this, uh, you know, the mix was like a year old. Yeah, it was like stale. He was just like, yeah, I think that went bad. And then he looked at the back and he was like, oh, yeah, it's a year old. I'm sorry. Yeah. And like John Favreau was like trying to like, he was eating it, but he uh-huh. was like, he was like, you could tell that he wasn't as bothered by that. But then yeah. when Roy Choi was like really bothered by it and spit it out right away, he's like, oh, maybe I should do that too and just kind of save face. So then he kind of like throws it away. Yeah. Like I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember at one point, like he's like, they eat it and John Farrell was kind of like, just like, yeah, this is not bad. And Roy Choi, you can, you can see the discomfort in his face. <laughs> and then he's like, he goes, Oh, I think that I think that went bad. And he goes, "Oh, I didn't want to do that in front of the camera, but fuck it." So he like throws it in the trash, and they end up like laughing about it. No, no feelings are hurt, and um, they actually go back to that dish. I think in the next episode, they try to make it like correctly this time. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great show. I I absolutely love it. Um, I don't know if they're coming back for a second season. It's only like eight episodes, like thirty minutes long. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a great thing to watch if you just kind of just want to see some good uh see some good food being made one of the dishes i know i can make and i'm so stoked to like try it out which one uh i think it's like the second episode they make this pasta dish that's fuck that looks it looks so easy that i can make it but it looks really good the only thing is like there's like peppers like chili peppers in there so i don't know if you like it you can make it without the chili peppers no you can add the chili peppers to it (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so it's called the chef show <clears throat> highly, highly recommend you guys watch it, especially if you just want to just kind of chill out to see some good food being made. And for the not that portion, I would say uh, Black Mirror Season 5. Uh, I I love Black Mirror. Black Mirror. I was watching Black Mirror before it was cool. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, Mark. Be one of those people. Sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Black Mirror was created by Charlie Bo- Broker. Um, this is season five on Netflix. For this season, there's only three episodes, and uh, the stars are Anthony Mackie, uh, Yaha, Yaha, Yaya, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second and Miley Cyrus. Uh, Yahya Abdul, he was Black Manta and uh, Aquaman for anybody for reference. <sighs> the first episode is good. Um, I think it's called like Vi- the Viper Sting or something like that. So it starts off good, and it's a good. It's kind of a good story for the first one. The second one, I was really digging on it for like five minutes and then i got bored really fast and the third season because second season has to do with social social media and our addiction to it of course they have to do i feel like they have to do that every i think every season season? it is like a social media discussion i think i don't know how far i got into into black mirror at Mm -hmm. all like i think i completed season one and i didn't complete season two or something like that yeah but um it's just such a depressing... Everything's depressing. Yeah. I can't handle that. Like, honestly, it, mm-hmm. with the issues that I have with my own depression, I cannot. It ruins my day. It, and then it could also just snowball into ruining my week. Yeah, because a lot of the episodes, they end pretty like pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm, which they, is great. Like, some of it's really great content. Mm-hmm. It's, the stories aren't bad at all. Um, especially if you really that's creative i was actually just thinking about this today mm. and i was thinking about how um i don't know i was listening to an interview that you did earlier in the week with someone oh yeah, okay um and i was thinking about how you were talking about americans and oh, our views on our love of like of like violence and stuff like that right yeah yeah and then I was thinking about British shows and the ones that I've, I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there might be some violence, but it's really not violent. It's usually like they're trying to stretch their imagination. They're trying to be creative. Yeah. And then even in like in British television, some of the violence, there's actually like a real point to it. You know, mm-hmm. like there's like everlasting effect of this vi- of the violence that happened. While in America, we get an action film, stuff blows up. We're like, oh, cool. You know, and then like the guy, the hero goes through the fire that's in the explosion and just like dusts itself off. Yeah. And British television, they're like, no, people lose arms. <laughs> like for real <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. Black Mirror kind of does that. Like they, yeah. they take they take serious situations and then they put like a realistic lens on it. This one... <laughs> It like I have I have a lot of problems with it. It seemed kind of lazy, mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, Charlie Brooker came out last year with a, another season of Black Mirror, that's it's called Bandersnatch. It was like an uh, interactive storytelling that caught that made the audience get involved with the story, mm-hmm. like physically get involved with the story. And what I read was that season five got held up for. Um, it got held up for a while so they could make Bandersnatch. Mm. And I know Bandersnatch is loved and half people like it, half people don't like it. I enjoy, I love the shit out of it because I think it was really innovative and really cool. But I really think that Bandersnatch burnt out Charlie Brooker. And I don't know. I, I feel like he just kind of half-assed this one or he was just like three episodes. Look, I did. They're done. You know, especially like the last one, which is Miley Cyrus. And it talks. It's like if I heard that was the weakest one. It is. I get what they were doing. It was like, hey, let's do Miley Cyrus in this one. Let's actually make it seem like this is what happened. This is what happened with Hannah Montana. 
in real life, <laughs> which is like, okay, yeah, she's kind of fucked up. But at the same time, I, 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 I started watching it 15 minutes into it. I was like, I'll get back to it later. I haven't picked it up since. And I'm just, I don't really care to see how it ends. Yeah. At all. It's just. That's a shame too, because <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, for me, it's a shame because yeah, I don't really intend on watching any more of it. Mm-hmm. Not because it's not good, but like when you when you know something is good and it has such a huge following, even if you don't watch it, you kind of want it to continue. And like, it's almost become like this underground pop culture type show. Yeah. Um, and then for it to be so weak. Yeah, like nobody's really like at, at, in every um, in every season of Black Mirror that comes out. People talk about it at least for like a couple of weeks. You know, they want to dissect every episode or what you see like think pieces with this meant or there's a bit of controversy because maybe the show went too far or maybe it's making people question our um, our our reliance on technology. This one came out. I don't hear anybody talking about it like, mm. at all. I think that's I think and I think that shows that maybe Charlie Brooker either because I know he writes. I think he writes like every episode. He writes almost every episode, not every single one, but like. He's done a majority of them. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to take a break. Maybe. I, I know there are times where I've tried to be creative and then I get so I feel like I'm doing the same thing mm. over and over and over again. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, okay, I need to sit down. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's that whole thing where like you're working on something and you need to walk away from it and then come back and see if it's still any good. He probably didn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah. So I guess that wraps up our uh, try this not that yeah do not try black mirror season five you can skip over you will not be missing much (laughs) or anything at all (laughs) or anything correct um for our recent release segment um we recently saw uh the dead don't die is our plan to inform people about the zombie danger before it gets dark i guess so because we passed farmer miller's place a little while ago do we need to inform him fuck farmer miller oh okay My, are you in this together? So how the fuck do you kill a zombie? Slow down a second, Cliff. Excuse me. You gotta kill the head. Kill the head. Decapitate. It's the only way to kill. Jesus. We gotta get prepared. Um, I don't know why I started out with a question. Like it's like the dead don't <laughs> they don't die? The de- you know what shenanigans is this? The dead don't die. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, uh, 2019, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, it's directed by Jim Jarmusch, written by Jim Jarmusch. Jarmusch? <laughs> um, and the synopsis is, uh, the peaceful town of Centerville finds itself battling a zombie horde as the dead start rising from their graves. Um, it is an ensemble cast, Right. It's a huge ensemble cast. Uh, just to read you off, uh, just, just to read you off who's in this movie. Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tom Waits, uh, Chloe... Savini. Savini, thank you. Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, Rizzo the Rapper, Rosie Perez, Tilda Swinton, and Selena Gomez. Mm-hmm. That is a serious lineup of some great actors. Well, some of that's questionable. Well, not but- Rizzo. Rizzo's not a good Selena actor. Selena Gomez is not a great actress. She's she's good eye candy. She, that's it. <laughs> Fuck. 
Uh, okay, so without going to spoilers, what did you think about it? I will say the first two acts were really good. Mm-hmm. The third act was irritating, to say the least, and it shit the bed. Yeah. I actually think this will end up on our deathbed do-over list. Yeah, it definitely will in due time. I had to. I really have to second that because, you know, while we're watching this movie, we went, we went to see this together, and it. I was really digging on how he was, like, doing the setup, and he was really getting, like, an in-town uh, or small-town vibe of how these people would react. You know, not not like overreacting or anything like that. It's kind of like, wow, we've never experienced this. Okay, so how are we going to roll it? And like the deadpan humor of it was really good. Yeah. Um, even like the way how he was uh, framing his shots and some of the gore was actually mm-hmm. pretty dope. Uh, wait, you just mentioned the deadpan humor of it. Mm-hmm. I will say that's one thing that carried through. That's like the one of yes. the only things that carried through. Yeah. But I think everything else that started fucking up made that less funny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like it got to a point where, and there's a lot of times where there are uh, moments of like some really like legit comedy that will make you like burst out laughing because it's like clever comedy. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of starts getting a little bit wackier and wackier. And then it won't like, you know, we'll go into it in the spoilers, but like by the time we get to that third act, we're like, okay that's a little too much man like you've gone too a little too far well, some of some i think i know what you're talking about and that mm-hmm. one thing i think was okay because it was wacky it was just something else that irritated the fuck out of me yeah i think if i would have to guess would it have to be the message he was trying to like hammer into okay. no there were two things that really bothered oh, okay. me at the end we're gonna add that in <laughs> yeah um and then I, like I said, I, I've never really seen a Jim. I mean, like I said, I've seen Broken Flowers. I know his. I can see the similarities in his style, but like this movie, I don't. know. It was really weird. Like he was trying too hard to be cool, like indie cool. Yeah, like too hard to be indie cool. And this dude is like this dude is indie cool. I've seen interviews with him. I've seen photos of him. This dude looks like one of those guys who only makes indie films ever. You know, like he would spit on anybody that approached him with like a Marvel property. <laughs> and, and it um that like i said that third day he kind of like kind of shoves his whole his own head up his own ass with that whole thing he does um or he makes the film do it <laughs> yeah he's like you shove your head up your ass right now yeah what we're doing so good do it and then they do it because <laughs> he's jim jarmusch mm. um you know like how that's you know we talked about hancock already what do you mean Hancock, the mo- the movie. Oh, wow. he makes everyone stick their head up their butts. Was that Hancock? Yeah, Hancock. Okay. It wasn't him. Was it him? Yeah, he did that. Okay, for some reason I'm thinking of uh, that Jim Carrey film that you like, Bruce Almighty. I thought he like made somebody stick. No, his head up. he made a monkey come uh, out of his butt. All right, I'm no, getting... Hancock. I think would um, threaten threaten them. Oh, to put that. Okay, yeah, I'm getting. I'm and getting... he didn't do it any time except one time he actually did i think in like the prison yard or something okay yeah i'm getting my butts uh my butt jokes mixed up (laughs) well that's because you don't like big butts and you cannot lie no that means i like big butts and i cannot lie not that i don't like big butts. well if you liked them then you would remember i like it gets really big when you put a head in there i mean it has no choice okay this is going really weird (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah, I mean, I I, I like I like without like I, we we have to go into further detail and spoilers, obviously. But man, that third act is almost like just it kind of just really fucked up the movie for me. Uh, that's, it, it that's, did. That's, that's, that's I, the strongest I, sense I have to say. Like, it really fucked it up. It was so good in the first two acts, mm-hmm. and then the third act was so boring and like wasn't really tying anything up. Mm-hmm. Um, that I definitely it put such a bad taste in my mouth that I got irritated with it, and I kind of don't even want to talk about it. But we have to. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Here, this is because I couldn't articulate. It got lazy. That third act got super fucking lazy. Yes. Like he could have like perfectly tied everything together because it was getting to a point, and it was getting to a realistic point that like this is what would happen in a zombie apocalypse and it, it well this is what yeah like i know what's gonna happen but i mean just kind of give you an it's idea it's believable it's yeah it's totally believable and then it, like he just got really lazy with the writing it it, it almost fucking offended me yeah exactly <laughs> like okay so we yeah we definitely need to talk about that so we're gonna go into our spoiler section right now mm-hmm. um and i'm pretty excited because we got a spoiler buffer. Mark doesn't have to sing anymore for you guys, so you don't have to bleach your ears out anymore, okay? Uh, we know you, you know, with don't. Simon's teacups. Yeah, Simon's teacups. Um, I'm going to talk about Simon's teacups every every episode now, I think. You know? <laughs> Just say Simon's teacups. <laughs> um, so here you go. Here's your spoiler warning. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Oh man. Okay. <sighs> okay. So this is, if you guys haven't gotten what the trailer is about, a zombie apocalypse happens in a small town. Okay. And the cops, Bill Murray and Adam driver, they act accordingly. Okay. And we get like pieces of everybody in the town, how they're affected by the zombie apocalypse. It gets pretty gory, which I do like the gore. The gore is really good. Like he really, like Jim Jarmusch actually lets the camera sit on um, like a scene where Iggy Pop plays a zombie. I think he was called like the coffee zombie and eats his girl's guts. And it was really dope. And then there's at one point near the end of the film where Adam Driver, Adam Driver's character has con- has continuously said, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. Bill Murray confronts him like, how do you know it's not going to end well? Then he goes, Jim gave me the script. Mm-hmm. And then Bill Murray goes, wait, Jim gave you the whole script? Jim only gave me part of the script. And so Adam Driver essentially takes a step away from his character and becomes Adam driver and says, yeah, we're in a movie. I have the script. What the fuck? <laughs> like what the fuck? So I, and that's what you're part of, partly what you're talking about with the lazy writing. Yeah. That's, that's part of the lazy writing. So that's the thing where I thought it was kind of clever when he was doing that because you kind of knew what he was getting at mm-hmm. until he did it outright like that. Um, and if, if the rest of that, the third act was better than it is. Mm. Maybe that would have a place, but it felt like that was like his 
grand finale firework moment. Like, that was the thing he wanted you to focus on. Not the zombies, not, you know, how it really ends. Just the fact that Adam Driver is Adam, actually Adam Driver. Playing. Yeah, and you're watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah, and um, one thing he... Uh, what, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm like starting to get lost for words of how how frustrated I get at this movie. Um, one thing that he also starts really getting really bad. Well, let's not trash the movie from the jump. Let's talk about what we did like about it. <laughs> I really want to talk about what we liked about it because then we'll trash the fuck out of it. What did you like about it? Almost everything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what I really liked about it. Um. In the, uh, hold on, I have my geriatric cinematic notes open. (laughs) Um, They play, first of all, I really like that they had that one song, Dead Don't Die. Yeah. And who was it by? Because they said it every single time it came on the radio or they bought a CD. Uh, Yeah, the Dead Don't Die, which you, you heard at the top of the show. Um, they actually play that song several times, um, <clears throat> throughout the movie. They even comment on it. Um, cause it's like, it's almost like the song is kind of telling you what's going to happen. Um, his name is Sturgill, Stur- Sturgill, Sturgill, Sturgill Simpson, right? <laughs> and this song was, uh, specifically made for this movie. That song is good. I was really digging on the song. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, yeah, The Dead Don't Die by Sturgelson. Like, Adam Driver kept saying that over It was and like over. product placement. Product placement, like, buy the soundtrack, buy the soundtrack, buy the soundtrack, buy the soundtrack. <laughs> but it was totally cool. Totally cool, because he's saying, he's saying, he has a message in the film that you're watching this movie. These people, they know they're in a movie. And I was yeah. totally digging, I was get, totally getting behind that. Um, yeah, that's why we picked it. <laughs> the opening. Um. There was that that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I really liked was that with minimal acting, you got like, it's like they didn't have to oversell anything for you to get the vibe that they wanted you to have. Yeah. And you could really settle into the film without expecting a whole lot out of it. So that everything that came out at you mm. was totally out of left field and it, it hit right where it was supposed to. So, for example, um, you end up in that coffee, in that you know, that little cafe. Yeah, the diner. In the diner. Yeah. And these two women are gossiping. You have the the waitress, yeah. and then you have the cleaning lady that comes after they're you know they're about to close up. Yeah, like Donna, uh, Donald Glover, <laughs> Danny <laughs> Danny Glover's in that scene for a little bit, and it kind of gives you this vibe of like. This is what the town people would talk about. This is like, you really got a sense of like, these are these people mm. in their everyday lives. Um, so when the zombies came, I think I think what we were trying to do was like the, the, the effects of their death would like hit you harder. Well, not even, no, it wasn't even that for me. It was mm. like, of course they're going to die. Mm. You know, so that there was nothing really special about that for me. Mm. Except then they're like, coffee like yeah which added like a little bit of dark humor yeah so it was like oh they won't they want coffee and then they spent like some time drinking a sip of coffee and smashing all the um the cups and shit like that yeah and the i never know how to say it 
Compliment? I always say carafe, and I've heard that it's carafe. What is that? That the glass thing, the coffee pot. That has a, Oh, I didn't know. It was, I thought it was called a coffee pot. It's C A R A F E. What how you say? I don't know. Carafe. Carafe. I say carafe, uh, but I've been told it's like carafe or some like something like that. Okay, the coffee pot. Carafe. <laughs> something. The coffee pot. Coffee pot. Uh-huh. The coffee pot. Um. So they'll drink. They'll they'll drink like a sip and then they'll smash it on the ground they and grab even, the next one. And why do they have like ten coffee pots? I mean, I'm exaggerating. They yeah. didn't have that many, but they had. They you don't need more than two in that tiny little diner. Yeah, but they don't even like take a sip. They just like they slam it. Like they like just throw it in their face. Like mm, coffee. Like that. <laughs> they don't even. It, which is which I thought added was made it even funnier. Yeah, and then like they were smash they and they even the um the next day when the cops come, they even make a point of saying, yeah, they smashed the coffee cups, they smashed the coffee pot. Yeah, <laughs> like I which I thought was pretty fun. It was so it's like one of those things where you have the minimalist, you know, acting going on, but then you have like these little points that come in, mm-hmm. and it's it makes it even greater. Yeah, it makes that impact a little bit harder, or it makes a greater impact, so I should say. Um, one thing I really didn't like was, um, whose character was he? Who's Steve oh, Buscemi? Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi's character. So he played a guy named Frank, mm-hmm. and he wears those red hats that we all know and hate. Yeah, those racist hats, yeah. You know, but instead of saying make America great again, it says make America white again. Yeah, that's a little. And then they make him, they so they put him in the diner. He's in the diner. And of course, they have him right next to Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if they were going to do something with that character, it probably would have been really great. All they did was make everyone be irritated by him and then kill him. Yeah, I think he. That's I. I'll have to agree because I think he has he slipped up there because I can I already I can see what he was trying to do. He was trying to make that character's death more clap worthy. Like, yay, we killed the racist and blah blah blah. You know, which yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, <laughs> but the way he went about it was just like, all right, he's dead. I I don't care. <laughs> you know, like if he actually did something other than be annoying and racist, mm-hmm. if he did something against another character or you know what something something to make it it wasn't earned. to make his death worthwhile yeah. yeah it wasn't earned at all it yeah. was like oh and then he couldn't even defend himself because he died yeah he like lasted for like a minute and the zombies when she got to him that was it he died and then the really um what was what's the name what's the word i'm trying to say i don't know what is that word you're trying to say <laughs> he's really docile the really docile sheriff like the really calm and peaceful guy yeah Mm -hmm. not interested in warning the farmer at all that i actually thought was really funny it was funny Uh except when you realize that it was kind of like a little like a plot device or like a it was like a not a plot device because it didn't move the story forward in any way Mm mm-hmm but it was like a distraction. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. It was just a distraction. Like, gotcha. you know, oh, look what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So it comes off as clever when you don't realize that the movie's about to shit the bed yet. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. At uh, at one point there in the movie, um, Adam Driver is talking to Bill Murray, saying like, "Hey, shouldn't we warn uh, Farmer Frank about the zombies coming?" And Bill Murray goes, "Fuck that guy." Yeah, he's like, "Fuck that guy." Yeah. Like, okay. Which, which which I thought was funny when I when it happened that line came out. I was I like, "That's too. hilarious." Yeah. But then when he got to it, it was just like, "Oh wow, his characters are real dead. He caused that dude to die." But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else did I put? Oh, we got to talk about Wu-Tang. Woo! 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 Oh, okay, sorry. Wu-Tang! Wu-Tang! <laughs> well, it's funny because I, no, I, I didn't know who he was. I'll be oh, honest. RZA? That, yeah. that, that's the that was the UPS guy. I'm sorry. It wasn't U, It wasn't UPS. What was it called? It was called... Woo-PS. Woo-PS. No, it was called, it was called Woo-Up. No, it was Woo-PS. Was it Woo-PS? Yeah, I thought it was like Woo-Up or something like that. Like uh, W W U U P or some shit. No, like W U P S. Oh, okay. Which was funny because I I didn't know who he was and I'm like, so it's not U P S, it's Whoops. Whoops. Oh yeah, it is U P S. I'm like Whoops. And then and then he said Wu Tang, like because he's actually Wu Tang. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he's one of the prominent members of Wu Tang. No, 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 no. They actually called him that in the movie. Oh, did they? I didn't even yeah, that. Yeah, he did. And then, uh, then I was like, oh, and then he called it Woo PS. And I was like, oh, so it's not whoops. Okay. I got it. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think you noticed, but like when the truck went by, you see the Wu Tang symbol. Oh yeah. Right I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That I did like, sadly, they didn't do anything with that character. Nope. Cause he turned into a zombie. Yeah. He That's like, it. he talks, he, he, I think, I tell you, I think, um, uh, Riza and Jim Jarmusch, they're kind of the same mind. Like, they're kind of very, like, artsy and they are very good in what they do. But sometimes they overthink it. They overthink it or they try to be too enlightening. Enlightening. And uh, Jim Jarmusch gave that to Riza at one part of the movie where that kid was like, hey, um, the kid who they kept calling Frodo, he was like, hey, uh, can you give me some knowledge or can you, like, give me some information like you know can you give me like a cool kind of like inspirational line or what's it called an epigram no afroism maybe it's an epigram and then he says something like the world is beautiful the world is perfect yeah uh keep in mind the details oh yeah pay attention to the details details. yeah and it was just like that is something rizzo would fucking say (laughs) he probably wrote that yeah yeah rizzo was like yo 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 yo, let me say this let me say this you know (laughs) Uh, uh, what I actually like about that interaction, though, was he really didn't have a point except to kind of build on the cashier. Yeah, to kind of introduce the cashier. Yeah, because, you know, he's a really nerdy kid or whatever, but mm. it kind of gives you a sense that, you know, he's an actual person. Don't make fun of him or whatever, because uh, Rizzo was cool with him. Yeah. And he can call him Frodo, but don't anybody else call him Frodo because he called him Frodo, too. And he's like, yeah. all right, you know. Yeah, there was a couple of uh, people that called him Frodo um, that came into town. One of them. I don't, well, Selena, Selena Gomez. Did and she call him the, Frodo? Uh, she didn't, but one of the guys she was with did. Yeah. And when he called him Frodo, like the guy was the guy. You can tell it it bothered the guy. Like, who the fuck are you? You know, how do you call him? You know, why would you call me Frodo? You know, like it's a different ty- different dynamic because it was a completely different guy, like a stranger. It definitely wasn't Selena Gomez because she was really nice. And then mm. she, when she's like, "Oh, my name is 
Zoe, sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. sparkle. That part I thought was funny. <laughs> I did too, and I thought they were going to keep going with yeah, it, and they, they didn't. Did. They didn't. Why? Why, Jarmusch? Why? Because <laughs> um, even Adam Driver seemed to have like a thing for her. Yeah. And I thought she would have turned around and be like, by the way, I'm Zoe. Didn't he? Yeah, and, and nothing, nothing. Yeah, that was... They just killed them. Yeah, I think, the, I think those characters were definitely a waste, because they were in there... They essentially were just uh, fodder. And it was like, that's it. They died. I don't care. They came off as like people from a city who were artists. Like No, they were hipsters. Cleveland hipsters. No, that's what they were in the film. But I'm uh-huh. saying how they came off. Oh, okay. They were, they didn't come off as hipsters. They came off as like recording artists who's a real person who mm. is cool and doesn't have like huge emotions at this moment because she doesn't have to because she's just traveling like yeah i don't know it it was like okay it was like selena gomez as herself as opposed to like adam driver stepping out of his role and just being adam driver yeah selena gomez could have totally just been selena gomez yeah she didn't have to be zoe yeah the sh- she yeah, she shows her around and been like my name is blooming selena That's yeah <laughs> um so, <laughs> let's talk about um let's talk about what their reasoning for the zombie apocalypse is this i is like that <laughs> i like that it was the fuck it no it was because of polar fracking polar fracking okay now when they said polar fracking i was already understand where where jarmusch was going okay he's having a message i'm seeing a message about fracking and government officials because later on they have a government official on the radio saying, oh, the strange occurrences that happen has nothing to do with the polar fracking. Polar fracking is safe, blah, 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 blah. And even later, even further later on in the movie, the guy, um, the, like the last, the last few times you hear radio throughout the movie, the guy makes, it's like it's still continuously lying, like the government had nothing to do with the zombies coming, you know, like that kind of vibe to it. And I was like, okay, cool. The government will lie to us to the end of the world totally behind that message he's trying to say mm-hmm. and when they were showing why the zombies were coming out i was on it i was i was digging on it i liked it um a lot of zombie movies don't really do that they don't really explain what happens to zombie apocalypse it's just theorized a lot so the way this one happened i was totally behind it and it wasn't like really ridiculous it seemed like totally plausible yeah yeah so what i actually the way they introduced like something was different Mm. i actually really enjoyed it so the very first inkling you really get that something isn't right is it's like eight o'clock at night yeah and it's not even getting dark yeah i i like that a lot and they kept saying it was daylight savings time yeah they're like god and then one of them like taps his watch or something he's like god i think the daylight savings is broken yeah right. <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> and like they would say something like my phone's not working totally weird like just nothing yeah so they they let up kind of slow to it it wasn't like all of a sudden here's all these zombies it was like oh something's not right because it's light outside yeah it took like a good what maybe a good hour 40 minutes before the zombies even really start coming out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing that I really liked about that was yeah. uh, the zombies, the zombies, they, yeah. um, 
usually it's like really gory. Mm. They were just like black powder. Yeah, I was totally digging on that. That it wasn't like blood or anything like that. It was just black dust. Just like coming out of their bodies. Yeah, like that's what it would be because they're decomposing or something. And I know it wouldn't be black powder like that. But I mean, it was more... More realistic. More realistic than a bunch of blood. Because honestly, when you embalm somebody, you're taking the blood out of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because these zombies that were coming out, they were coming out of the graves. They weren't like bodies that were left on the side of the road or anything like that or hidden in the woods. They were actually coming out from the grave. So, of course, you would get dust out of a body if you split it or... Did, did what they did in that movie. Yeah. Which I had to give him up. I had to applaud Jim Jarmusch for doing that. Yeah. I was really digging on. Um, <laughs> what? I wrote down free cable. Um, uh, okay. I think you had gotten up and gone to the bathroom or something. Uh, so we get the sense. It's already like the, the zombies are already coming out. They start... It's before, like, their montage of, like, all the zombies saying what they liked in life or whatever. So you only had, like, the the coffee zombies. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you're at the the motel. Yeah. And you see, like, a few zombies out. And they start coming to the motel. And then one of them goes, free cable. Yeah, I missed that part. It was hilarious. Yeah. So I want to actually want to touch up on that with what the zombies were saying, which it's going to go into what it was. It it just, it's going to go into why it was shit in the bed. Okay. So the zombies, they were, they kept saying certain things. Like I remember at one point zombies were like Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, ice cream, all that kind of stuff. And it was Jarmusch pretty much saying that we are, we are still attached to these materialistic things. Even though when we die, we will still be attached to it. Even one of the characters, says that <sighs> yeah because you know, so, yeah. you're too stupid to get it for yourself that's the thing yeah like it was i was totally getting behind the whole thing what they were saying with the message he was saying about like the government will lie to us fracking's bad I'm getting these messages totally digging behind it because he was doing it in a subtle way and then the character um it was tom waits who played a uh, her hermit bob pretty much just spelled everything out for you at the end of the movie literally yeah, spelled everything like out for the you moon the was like glowing purple and mm. he's like what did he say he said um something about mm. it wasn't poisonous it was like bad lunar vibrations or something yeah like yeah that. yeah like bad lunar vibrations like yeah he didn't like he didn't Jarmusch did not let the audience figure it out on its own. Like, like we, we were getting it. Uh, like I would be down to discuss if, he, if, if, if the hermit, if hermit Bob did not spell it out for you, I would have loved to discuss this film with other people and be like, what do you think this meant? What do you think? And going on message boards to theorize what this movie would have meant. Instead, he just starts spelling shit out for you. Like, I really like that character because uh, they're like, even in the beginning, he kind of knew certain things. Yeah, like he was more in tune to the events of what's going to happen. So, I, and I like that. Yeah. But as long as he wasn't using him as a plot device. Yeah, he wasn't using him as, he wasn't using him as a, um, what's the word I hate? Um, something with an X. E-X. Um, not exploit. My God, I can't remember the fucking word. Where they didn't explain the entire plot. Oh, yeah. What's the word? 
I think I know. I think I know it's what it is. It's on the tip of my too. fucking tongue too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not expedition. Yeah, it's, it's a exposition. Exposition. He there became you go. a walking exposition. Exposition. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing now, man? <laughs> what the fuck?" And that's when the movie just leaky diarrhea came out, and it's all over the bed. And I was like, "What the fuck are you doing, Jarmouche?" Oh, we have to talk about um, the blonde lady. Oh, Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. That girl is weird. In real life, that girl is weird. Okay, but she looked a lot like the blonde lady from Dark Phoenix. Yeah, that was her sister, right? <laughs> yeah, that that's sister? what I said. Like, we were in the theater and I was like, look, it's her sister. <laughs> Seriously, her, her better acted sister. She's weird. Like, she's got this Scottish accent. She has, they keep, they keep saying she's Scottish. She totally has like a Japanese vibe going on. Yeah, she's even carrying like uh, like, like a, a katana. katana. Yeah, and like wearing a, like a komodo or whatever yeah. outfit. And she has a Buddha that's really nicked up and like seen better days. Mm. Um, and she walks really weird. Oh yeah, she would make like, a quick left turn. Like, yeah, like right like turn. if she's gonna turn, like she'll walk in a straight line and then she'll make a quick left turn, like yeah, she'll like pivot sharp, on one of her yeah. feet. Yeah, like sharp right, sharp left, sharp right. Yeah. Like um to, and, and she's like do like you could tell she's not really in touch with people because um, you know, she runs the the mortuary yeah. across the street from the police station. And she has two people down in her basement. She's doing their makeup, like if they're like fucking from the eighties or something like that. Right? They they actually made me think of David Bowie. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the artist who had that kind of style of the eighties, but like they would have like pale white face and then like super colorful like makeup and stuff. Yeah, like like, that. like green and yeah, red and orange and yellow, like all over their face. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you got, if anybody has been to a barber shop in the and lived through the nineties, you've seen the you've seen that style. Yeah. It was just really weird. Um her character had no point. Yeah. I thought her character was I okay. I thought her her character knew something. And they were kind of leading into that. Yeah, and then she like like so she didn't have a point, but she was kind of mysterious. It was cool, but then she ends up in the in the police station and she somehow has like su- psychic powers or some shit to how to use a computer and um she ends up out in the field with the cows after the um the two sheriffs or whatever are Uh out there yeah and she gets picked up by oh no in the cemetery it was in the cemetery oh yeah but it's like it almost looks like a field yeah she like she tells them she tells the officers meet me in the cemetery which is like the worst place to go to, obviously, because that's where all the zombies are coming from. So you got to think, you're thinking like maybe she knows something. And then she goes there, a, a UFO flies in. It sounds like we're talking about a different movie. A UFO flies in, picks her up, and flies away. Yep, and that's it with her. She's done. Yeah, it was just like, what was the point of all of that? I don't, I, I don't what? What? <laughs> what? If they had connected it back somehow, but it, it didn't... It didn't connect at all. Maybe maybe he's like missing a scene or something. He had to like drop a scene. Maybe. But that would have been really important to yeah. keep in then. Yeah. And then like, um, so going back to where we started about Adam Driver having the script and Bill Murray not having the full script. They come out. Adam Driver and Bill Murray comes out and there's like this battle and everything. Oh, before we do that, you have to talk about the, the Chloe girl. Oh, yeah. She, uh, that just... 
They had a female sheriff too. Yeah. And she starts as like, you know, she's just kind of really down to earth. She's not like, she's kind of pent up. She mm-hmm. has her hair t- like back tight. Yeah. And you can tell there's like a, maybe a love, a love connection between uh, her and Adam Driver. Um, the sheriff is, she's played by Chloe Savigi. Savini. Savini. Officer Mindy Morrison. Um, Which and the thing that they're trying to make fun fun of is like their last names all end in son, so like Bill Murray is Cl- uh, Chief Cliff Robertson, and then Adam Driver is Officer Ronnie Peterson, <laughs> and then Chloe Savini is Officer Mindy Morrison. Like oh shit, and Danny Glover is Hank Thompson. T- Thompson, and Tilda Swinton is Zelda Winston. Like hilarious, hilarious. Ha 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 ha! Clever. Um, she starts when they when the the whole thing about oh they got it, someone got attacked in town they don't know what it is yet mm. it's the worst thing she's ever seen she's throwing up making yeah. a big big production out of it she's like freaking out and shit you know and that's where it starts with her like she never goes through anything calmly after that it's like calm but also like screaming calm yeah like she's you're, like she has no personality kind of calm, but then also she won't shut up about, oh my God, we're going to die. Yeah. And like, I got really irritated and I just didn't want to watch it anymore because I'm like, I'm one of those people that that type of character always irritates me. But how I was saying that Bill Murray and Adam Driver were, they didn't, they were minimalist in a way that really helped the rest of the film. This is one time where their minimalist characters made it worse because it really showcased how irritating she was. Yeah, exactly. She dies like she gets out of the car because she sees her grandmother and stupidly goes out. And I'm like, good fucking riddance. (laughs) I actually said that in the theater. I'm like, bye. Good riddance. And your eye proceeded to twitch. No, I cried a little on the inside. Oh, okay. I was, it was happy tears. Like happy tears. She died. She Goodbye. Died. She died. She died. Uh, yeah, and then she dies. Adam Driver, Bill Murray get out of the car. They're having. They're making a, one last stand. They die, and that's it. Yep. Hermit Bob just says, "This this is what the movie's about," and credits. <laughs> that's it. Subtle. Very subtle. Yeah. Very fucking subtle. It was irritating. Yeah. It so, had really great potential. Yeah. It was a, you know, the trailer looked really good. The ensemble cast looked amazing. We were totally in it. We liked the comedy and everything. It's just like I said, that third act, which is like, what was the point? Like, thanks, man. <laughs> you fucked that shit up. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's erase your minds from that horrible experience of a film. And we're going to go into our Simon Says segment. Simon sets the pace. You follow right along. Light the lights that Simon lights, or he'll tell you that you're wrong. Simon's a computer. Simon has a brain. You either do what Simon says, or else go down the drain. All right. He actually said this. Hold on, hold on. I hope you guys like that Simon Says. Simon Says. <laughs> Simon <laughs> Says intro from our buddy for our buddy simon gruber i'm gonna call him simon gruber now why because that is the villain's name from die hard three simon gruber simon <laughs> says 
<laughs> Sorry. Go on. You what know, are a little, it's a little creepy and I chose it on purpose. Well, I didn't choose it. We chose it together, but I mean. Oh, but you, no. you found it. I was just like, <laughs> yes, this is it. This is the one. Simon is a robot. Simon has no feelings. Simon's a computer. Simon knows you're wrong all the time. <laughs> and you will go down the drain. <laughs> so what did, what did Simon, oh, for people who, uh, who are joining us for the first time, the Simon Six Simon says segment. <laughs> he said it wrong. Is our buddy Simon Gruber, <laughs> uh, who is a writer for ScreenGeek.net. Uh, he's over there in Mario, England. And there's a bit of a mix up, mix up with uh, American dialogue and British dialogue. Simon has some questions for us, and us being the American dialect experts are here to answer. Yeah. So what does Simon, what does Simon got to say this time? <laughs> Good morning, my colonial cousins, even though it's nighttime while we're recording. Yes. So, you know. I think it's morning over there right now. Maybe. How? They're like eight hours ahead. Yeah, they're in the future. So it's five o'clock in the morning over there. Oh, there you go. All right. All right. Uh, good morning, my colonial cousins. It's shaping up to be another beautiful day over here in the bosom of the British Empire. But once again, I find myself puzzling over the various words and phrases that the last 30-something years of watching movies has taught me about American slang and society. Oh, run on. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fanny packs. What the shit is that all about? Over here, the word fanny literally only means a woman's you-know-what. What is is it? Simon? (laughs) (laughs) We're actually going to go into that. (laughs) Okay, all right. Um... Uh, so I dread to think where you guys spend your days stuffing your dollar bills and other valuables. <laughs> Look, he has another actual question. Uh, this wasn't his question, but we're going to go into it anyway. Yeah, we got to answer that I, question. I find it very interesting that um, his... <laughs> Look, Americans are weird in a way where Something means already means something else in another country. Uh, and then we start using it for something else. So over here, a fanny is someone's butt. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I thought over there a fanny was a butt also, but I guess not. No. Fanny over there is as a, what is this website? Lostinthepond.com likes to call the vulva. <laughs> Can you put this in your vulva pack? <laughs> the reason why it was called a fanny pack, mm. you know, because, you know, we call fannies butts. And also, like, my mom. Uh-huh. She, I swear to God, every time she says fanny fatigue, cracks up laughing. Like, she never laughs about anything, and she thinks that's the most hilarious thing. Butt tired? You know, when you're sitting too long and your butt falls oh, asleep. Oh, that is so bad. She calls it fanny fatigue. And now <sighs> that, you know, I know that British people, fanny <laughs> is not it's gonna add a, a lo- butt. It's going like, to add another level of comedy. Oh, what were you doing last night? I know. Oh, my God. Me and my husband. Oh, my f- fanny fatigue. He <laughs> should beat up this Or, fanny. you know, or I'm too tired. So that's that's fanny fatigue. Like I'm too tired. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. Um. So yeah, that's. I had to talk about that because okay. he uh, definitely. So fanny over here is a is, butt. Is a butt, and, and over there, that's 
A vulva. <laughs> a vulva. Okay. And let me see. Da, da, da. Yeah, so fanny pack. I think I had a fanny pack growing up. And because uh, I remember. Oh, they call them bum bags over there. Bum bags. Mm-hmm. Simon, you got to answer that. Bum bags. Bum bags. Why are you putting all these homeless people in your bag? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so fanny packs. Yeah. Bum, you know, get it, bum. You're yes, a bum. I get it. Stop it. <laughs> it hurts. Good. Okay. I want it to hurt. <laughs> um, let me let me read the rest of his uh his question here. Okay. His actual question. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, moving away from vaginal money keeping, mm-hmm. this week's confusion for me is the idea of somebody jonesing someone or something else. I get that Jones is a pretty popular surname, forename equivalent of everybody on the planet knocking somebody called Dave. What? Pretty much saying you're more you you you're more likely to bump into a Dave on the streets. Oh, okay. Yeah. But what is the name of Napoleon's Oh, what in the <laughs> What is the name of Napoleon's left nut sack? That's his question for us. <laughs> No, he said, but what in the name of Napoleon's left nutsack does it mean? And who was the Mr. slash Mrs. Jones that it all started with? Your servant, Simon (laughs) Gruber. (laughs) Uh, First of all, me and I, Mrs. Mrs. Jones. Okay, that's a song. Great song. Mm. All right. So I actually found on dictionary.com, you know, because they actually have like a slang section. (laughs) <laughs> They're trying to compete with uh, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> um, it, there's a sec- a section on here that says, where does jonesing come from? And they're saying that it's kind of unclear, but um, I guess in the 60s and the 70s, when uh, heroin became especially um, in New York, prominent, right? yeah, in New York, mm-hmm. um, they would call heroin Jones or Mr. Jones. Okay. So, of course, if you have an addiction or whatever, you're jonesing. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, it kind of turned into something that everyone uses for. Yeah, like I'm, jo- I'm jonesing for a hamburger. I'm yeah. jonesing for this girl. Yeah. Um, and then I think they said um, it might have also started on Jones Alley in Manhattan. Where, yeah. which was a hub for heroin addicts, but um, I would actually like to find that out. If that's true. That it's unsubstantiated. Yeah, yeah, I see that, but like that—that that seems interesting to find out. Um, maybe because I like drug stories. That's what <laughs> you like drug stories. Yeah, no, no drug stories. <laughs> oh. I love drug stories. I love hanging out at drug stories. <laughs> After the show, I'm gonna go to CVS. Well, it's good people watching. I, mean, <laughs> I have a story. You have a story. I have a story. Oh, it's kind of funny to me. Okay. So, me. you know, I had a Walgreens down the road. Okay. And me and my brother went there one day because, uh. you know, we always would go there because it was easier to get whatever we needed from there than going to the Walmart that we passed on the way there. Plus, it was only a mile away. Yeah. And um, this person outside was like, excuse me, you have change? You have change? And we're like, no. Hmm. And she was like, cambio? Cambio? What? No. No. No cambio. Uh-huh. Cambio means change in Spanish. Okay. 
She, and then she kept saying, like, change? Cambio? Change? Cambio? And I'm like, what the fuck? Leave us alone, lady. Like, we ended up, I turned around, I looked at her, I'm like, no, we don't have change. So she was jonesing, jonesing for some change. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It okay. was really crazy. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with this lady? All right. That was weird. No, people watching at the pharmacies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Jonesing, Jonesing's pretty much, uh, that's where it came from. It, it supposedly came from uh, 70s and 80s. It was kind of a heroin-related heroin term, uh, meaning you know people would crave it or there'd be withdrawals. Um, it's also like key, like code word for like Jones or Mr. Jones. Like, hey, you got that Mr. Jones? Mm. You say it like that. Hey, you got that Mr. Jones? Doing some Jones. Yeah. And yeah. That uh, hopefully that answers your question, Simon, for uh, jonesing. Yeah, you can continue on bleaching your teacups now. Yes, continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's what robots like to do anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, they like to bleach cups and they're off time. <laughs> All right, for our final course for mm-hmm. the evening, we're going to do our geriatric cinematic. On the Royal Tenenbaum. There were three extraordinary children in the Tenenbaum family. Margot Tenenbaum was an acclaimed playwright and won a Pulitzer Prize in the ninth grade. What'd you think, Dad? Mm, didn't seem believable to me. Richie Tenenbaum was a champion tennis player ranked second in the world by age 17. Chaz Tenenbaum was a financial expert and started buying real estate in his early teens. I said sell it, yeah. Well, I'm on my way. They were brilliant. They were famous. They were unlucky enough to be the children of a man named Royal Tenenbaum. He also stole bonds out of my safety deposit box when I was 14. (laughs) Now, for the first time in 22 years, they are all living together under the same roof. I hear you're dying. How long are you going to last? A month? A year? I've got six weeks to set things right. I want this family to love me. Right, Nisa. Um, all right. It was a 2001 film. Mm-hmm. Directed by Wes Anderson, written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. You said that wrong. Owen Wow Wilson. <laughs> oh, Wownson. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, the synopsis is the eccentric members of a dysfunction, uh, dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dysfunctional. Go on. <laughs> The eccentric members of a dysfunctional family reluctantly gather under the same roof for various reasons. Mm. So, of course, this ensemble cast is uh, Gene Hackman, Angelica Huston. Houston. It's Houston? Yeah, Angelica Houston. But it doesn't have an O. Trust me on this. Angelica Houston. Fine. Ben Stiller... (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Bill Murray, Danny Glover, Seymour Castle, Kumar Palana, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, so I I have a bit of a history with Wes Anderson. We were homies. We like to chill out, you know. <laughs> um, no, okay, so I've seen all of Wes Anderson films. Um, I've seen some of his short films, too. And people like to say, especially fans of this film, they want to say this is Wes Anderson's best film. And I was always against that. I love Rushmore. I think Rushmore was a great film. I think Rushmore was the first Wes Anderson film. I showed you, right? Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Jason Swartz, uh, 
maybe Schwartzman, I think it is, and Bill Murray. And I hadn't seen the Royal Tenenbaums for a while. So we, we, we watched this film, and I have to say, it, it, it might move Rushmore as my favorite Wes Anderson film. Mm. I, I, I still love this film. I think it's still I a loved film. Rushmore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, that was such a great movie. Yeah. And then I, this one definitely tops it. Yeah. I, I was kind of worried that you weren't going to like it. But I'm glad that you did. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, this movie's like came out in 2001, so y'all should have seen this movie already. But so we're gonna, but we're gonna spoil the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is you? What is your take on this? I mean, you liked it, but tell me more. Tell you more. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I really actually enjoyed how weird. The family was mm, how quirky they were. They sure. were quirky. Um, they did a really good. Actually, one of my favorite things is the narration. Oh yeah, done by Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, mm. and it, it wasn't because of Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. It was because it it came off like even the little book that shows the chapters in between, like each part of you know what was going on. Yeah, each act of the film. Yeah, each act. It was very like laid out like and very linear. Mm-hmm. Like so and so did this. The, he sat down on the couch. He you know, and like Yeah, it was like a good way to like introduce you into that scene. Like so and so is gonna walk down the stairs and that person's like walking down the stairs. Yeah. Um it the way it came off, the very first thing I wrote was the film narrates like one that's wrapping up. But in the beginning of the film, I actually thought, oh, okay, it sounds like that the whole way through. But I actually thought they were kind of ending it in the beginning. Uh-huh. And that's where they were going to go with it. That is not what they did at all. Um, but I really like that narration style. And I, I've never I've never watched a movie that narrated like that and made you feel like it was wrapping up the, the whole movie was yeah. a wrap up instead of just the end of it. Yeah, he kind of does that. <clears throat> uh, Wes Anderson does that uh, kind of again and again in his later films. Um, some of them don't actually really have a whole lot of narration. Like the Darjeeling Limited has like no narration for I can remember. Um, and it kind of like lets you kind of figure out stuff that plays out in that movie. This one, he, I've always heard thoughts on narrations. They either work or they or they really fuck up the film. Because people, they don't really, they want to, audience members kind of want to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Well, what Anderson did in this one, he like narrated the film and then he like had Alec Bowen take a step back and then let you watch the movie and then kind of do a little bit more narration into it for like good backstory. Mm-hmm. Which I like, like I like when they go into Angelica Houston's character, the man that she dated in the past. Mm-hmm. And they like, he says something like, they go into his past. No, he says something like, uh, Ethelene had a had a number of suitors in her in her eighteen years of being single, and it goes and then shows the suitor, and then he jumps back in and says, and it kind of gives you a little bit of insight into what she's thinking, and mm-hmm. it only like elevates the scene, elevates yeah. like the love between her and Danny Glover, which I thought was like really good. I never really felt a good amount of love between them. I didn't think I they, thought it was cute. They didn't have good chemistry. Uh, I thought it was adorable. No. Like, the way how he it goes about like, proposing her, I thought that was sweet. It was sweet. Uh-huh. Their acting was great. 
Mm-hmm. Their chemistry, not so much. Like, okay. because he he came off, he was very precocious. Like, you know, mm. like I really, I really like you. Like, I love you. I, I hope that's not weird or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And she just kind of seemed like every time she was with him, mm. she liked that he loved her, but she was just settling. I don't think that. It did feel like settling, especially because then later she's walking through the park with uh, Gene Hackman's character, with uh, Royal. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, you have all of these, um, what was it that she was saying? You have all of these little... Oh, it was like uh, uh, ad- adverbs or adjectives or something like that to describe her. Yeah, and she you could tell she like they had a good chemistry like Yeah. She was like really into him even after all these years. Mm. So you could kind of it made it even like the the distance between her and Danny Glover's character like a little bit wider because you could tell that she was settling for him because she couldn't be with Gene Hackman because he was as okay. one of the other characters said a son of a bitch. Yes. Gene Hackman I I remember when I saw this when I saw this movie the first time I was like wow that guy's kind of an asshole. Rewatching it, I'm just like this dude is a fucking dick, and it's like <laughs> the funniest ways he's like a dick. Like there's a scene where Gene Hackman is is meeting his grandsons for the first time, and <clears throat> his grandsons, their father is Bill, um, was that Bill Murray? It's Ben Stiller, and Ben Stiller's character had lost his wife like a year ago. So Gene Hackman, what he does is that he talks to the to the kids and he's like, uh, he goes, I'm so sorry about your mother. She was a terribly attractive woman. Like, what <laughs> are you fucking say that to kids about their mother? It's fucking weird. I think the <clears throat> other weird thing that was really funny to me mm-hmm. was um, he's like out with his grandsons and they're eating ice cream and there's like this other like Middle Eastern guy with them. Oh, Pogo. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, they're like, how did you meet him or whatever? And he's like, oh, <laughs> you know, this, uh, he saved my life. Yeah, you know, I, I we, was stabbed. I, I was stabbed, you know, and he carried me all the way to the hospital. And they're uh, like, oh, who stabbed you? He did. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they, they, they make a serious call back to that, like, later on, where, like, he, Gene Hackman caused Pogo to lose his, lose his job. And then, like, the way how they did it, it was so funny because he pulls out, like, this uh, Swiss Army pocket knife. Mm. And it's, like, the knife is probably, like, what, two inch, Maybe, like, an inch or some shit. Mm. And he's, like, you son of a bitch. And stabs him. And then Gene Hackman's, like, you can't stab me anymore. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. He's, like, that's the last time you're going to stab me. <laughs> and then he carries him to the taxi and they go to the YMCA. And he's, yeah. like, and, like, Pogo's, like, healing him up and putting bandages on him and stuff like that. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. That was great. Um I want to point out. <clears throat> I really want to point out the um, the love the love story between uh, Luke Wilson's character, who's Richie, and Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Margot, who is their adopted who is their adopted sister, who Gene Hackman likes to say repeatedly, "This is my adopted daughter." Mm. Like he doesn't say my daughter, adopted daughter. Um, <clears throat> so the, you got a sense that there was a chemistry between the two at bef- uh, at the beginning of the movie. Like before they, like when they go like to the even as kids, they yeah. you felt like they were very close. There was like a lot of love there. Yeah, <clears throat> and then there's this really great scene where um, Luke Wilson's character has to get picked up from uh, 
what's it called? The ship area. What's it called? Bay? Docking? The dock. The dock, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like he she meets up with him, but she like gets off the bus and he's like standing there looking. And then like she gets off the bus and the movie goes like in full slow motion. And it's this really great song by Nico called Oh, the the name escapes me right now, but it's this really, really great song. And that scene, you see, holy shit, this like this dude is in love with her. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's something that I would see if I fell in love with somebody and just looked at him. Everything would slow down, the music would play. I'd be like, yes. But he didn't play it like he wasn't playing it like, oh, I'm madly in love with you. He was just like, he almost was like, I have this feeling, but I don't know what it he is. He was like awkward. He was awkward. Yeah. And he almost didn't know this feeling that he was, he had towards her. Even though he said like, I think I'm in love with her at that moment, which was explaining his train of thought. He still didn't admit to himself, oh, I'm in love with this woman. Right. Which I thought was really great because it allowed the story, it allowed that, that relationship to continue to grow. Right. And actually by him not being able to admit it to himself, that I think added to the awkwardness. Mm. Because um, there was like this moment of them just kind of standing there and kind of looking at each other like, hi, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, it's and called, then they hugged each other. Yeah, it's called, it's by Nico. It's called These Days. That's a great fucking song. <laughs> um, yeah, and she's even like, you know, let me take a good look at you. Stand up straight. And he's like smiling. And she's like, why are you smiling? He goes, no, I think it's funny. Like, you know why he's smiling. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't want to admit to it himself. Yeah, exactly. That was great. Yeah. Um, the film was really great and it had a, like a lot of personality. And then it never loses its personality, but it definitely loses its upbeatness for like a little bit. Because when uh, Richie. Attempts suicide. He, right? Yeah, he tries to kill himself. Yeah. So um, that kind of like killed my mood for like a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's played very tragic. It's very tragic. Like he realizes, like I am not a like I should like I'm. I was playing tennis. I was great, and then all of a sudden I choked. I didn't amount to anything. You know, nobody loves me. I don't have any kids. I don't whatever. Yeah, my dad has lied to me about dying. Yeah, he he was like weirdly optimistic about his father the whole time and then finally mm. after his father he realizes his father lied that's when he decides oh i'm gonna kill myself now yeah and it was weird how they did it it came off really like manic i see i think i think that was great that's what i love that's why i i hated it and i loved it because mm. it was realistic and, yeah. it, and it hit me too hard yeah because like he I, there's I, I remember this this line he says stuck with me for a while because I never understood what he meant by it. But then after rewatching, I fully got it. That part where he like looks in the mirror, he goes, "I'm gonna kill myself tomorrow." Yeah, and he does it like right then and there. Yeah, which is like, yeah, that's what a suicidal person would do. Like I'm gonna, they would just do it. Like yeah, that. that's exactly the point. The part that I was gonna get at, yeah. like, it that was hard because you could tell he was losing it right then, and then he wasn't gonna do it tomorrow anyways because then by then you're probably feeling a little better. Yeah, and he didn't want to like and, you that know, chance to happen. You're going to be ups ups and downs when you're feeling like that anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and then when he's in the hospital, I guess he finally realizes what's been getting him down anyways. Yeah. What made him choke and where he wanted to be to heal. So he just escapes the hospital. <laughs> yeah. He, 
he escapes the hospital and he goes back home and he goes back into that tent, which you don't realize why he's in that tent until he's it. You don't realize why he's been staying in that in, in that tent until like after he's committed or attempted suicide. You see the connection between the tent and his relationship with Margot. Yeah, um, that plays out because they actually use that tent to run away for two weeks when yeah. they were kids. That was like essentially his happy place. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that's when he realizes, like, he tells her, you know, um, I choked because, you know, I like I love you or whatever. They they kind of they they kind of admit to each other how they feel, but it's kind of funny because they know that it's kind of weird frowned upon. Yeah. Even though they're not blood related, like if you really love someone and you know you're not blood related, it can be kind of weird. But then at the same time, you're like, we're not blood related. Like, <laughs> that's a good excuse. We're fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whatever. Some of the characters kind of point that out too. Like Gene Hackman's like, but she's your sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like, not by blood. <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think that's one of my favorite relationships out of the whole the whole movie the whole movie the other the other one that bug that bugs me is uh ben stiller Mm -hmm. because immediately when he's introduced and he's running that drill you don't understand why he's you know timing his kids like and telling them that there's a fire and there isn't yeah uh practicing to escape and all that stuff until you realize that he lost his wife and he didn't want his sons to die too. And then it becomes just sad. And every time I see him, I'm just sad for him. Yeah. Cause he becomes like super overprotective and like, he doesn't allow them to, to essentially the kids to like have a life. Yeah. Um, there is, I remember there was one part that I thought was fucking hilarious where going back to where Gene Hackman sees his grandchildren for the first time and his grandchildren, they're working out and he goes, um, he asks him, like, oh, your father has you guys working out. How often you guys make you guys do that? He goes, 16 times a week. He said 16. He I thought said, he said six to eight times a week. I thought he said 16 times. Even even six to eight times a week. Come on. <laughs> That's still too much. I was just like, God damn. Are you serious? <laughs> you know, they could have a stroke. So From all that workout. Yeah. No, they could have a stroke from getting fat. <laughs> yeah, those, those boys were in track suits all the time. <laughs> they ain't ever getting fat because he was in tracksuit all the time yeah they all matched um i did like how that relationship between ben stiller and gene hackman ended up um towards the end mm-hmm. uh because they got closer because gene hackman essentially saved the boy's life from dying and ben stiller actually had like had a reveal that reveal but um come to his father and was like i've had a bad year like he broke down from him. he's like i've been having a bad year he's just like yeah i know son like it's okay so yeah. it's like this really like father and son moment because when the movie plays out you can tell you can tell richie's his favorite richie's royal's favorite and then ben stiller chaz uh, ben stiller's character chaz was trying to be like his father but like his father saw it as like like subconsciously saw it as like full I don't know, shit. maybe he was like a threat too because he was like stealing money from him when he was a kid yeah and- exactly and then margo he just like didn't pay t- 
You didn't pay. I, that's, I she never, was adopted, so you know, yeah. treat her like she's adopted. Yeah, I absolutely love that part. How bad that relationship between Mario and, and Royal is when, like, they're at that birthday party. It's her did, birthday party. Yeah, her first play, and Chaz is like, "Hey, Dad, what do you think about the play?" And he's like, "It wasn't believable. The acting was kind of bad." Blah 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 blah. And Margo is staring at him. She just gets up <clears> and walks away. Yeah, and not only that, she gives him back his birthday present. Like, I don't want this from you. I was <laughs> busting up laughing at that part. Oh, we got to talk about her finger. Yes. Her wooden <laughs> finger. She has a wooden finger. And, you know, it's kind of weird because it's just kind of there. And they don't really explain it for like a while. Mm-hmm. And then you find out like she's like, you know, I did try to go find my family one time. Mm-hmm. And it's like Amish people or something. Yeah. And her hair's like dyed black. Yeah. Her hair's black. Yeah. Like, okay. And then um, they're outside. And I guess they're trying to teach her how to cut wood. And her, I guess, biological father, like, mm. accidentally chops off her finger with an axe. Yeah. And they don't show. It's just very, like, so, chop. Yeah. Like and then, then it's, like, cut scene. And then, you know, she's explaining this to somebody. And, you know, that person's like, why didn't you just sew your finger back on? She's like, nah, it wasn't important. <laughs> and then she has that wooden finger. Yeah. If I ever get a, a finger chopped off, I'm getting a wooden finger like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, oh, soundtrack. We have to talk about the soundtrack. Wes Anderson is known for making really great soundtracks for his films. This is, was it no exception? Is that what I'm saying that right? No exception. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is fucking awesome. I actually made a playlist with this, Darjeeling Limited, the Darjeeling Limited, and the Rush and Rushmore soundtrack, and just made my whole playlist with it. Really? The soundtrack is so fucking awesome. I, I actually really mm. liked it too. Yeah, because he's always picking like really good like classic classic rock songs, also mixed with like kind of cool, kind of chill. I want to chill, very like snooty kind of music in a way, mm-hmm. like with the violin, like but it works well with like the setting of the movie. Yeah, um, I saw the Isle of Dogs, and I almost want to say like even though it was a different sound, mm-hmm. it was the same kind of setup. Yeah. Like that music, it's like dramatic, but in a really unexpected way. Yeah, and a lot of his films, they're kind of based in like in the seventies and eighties, like the style. Mm-hmm. Except for like uh, Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket's more based in the nineties, but he had a smaller budget. <clears throat> his, but yeah, his his more recent films, they seem like they don't go past like eighties. Yeah, like at all. So, since it's uh, it's an old film, I'll talk a little bit of trivia for this movie. Mm. Uh, so there's a scene where um, Ben Stiller's character gets shot with a BB gun and the BB gets lodged between his knuckles mm. uh, they later show that hand and you see the BB like move they're just knuckle. poking at the BB under just, his skin yeah that belonged to Andrew Wilson Owen and Luke Wilson's brother so Wes Anderson has had all three Wilsons in his movie mm-hmm. which is hilarious so that, yeah so actually uh, Andrew Wilson actually has a BB lo- like lodged yeah. in between his knuckles and yeah, his hand. Is, yeah, that is his real hand. Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, what you got? They're, they're Hawk. I never really understood what the Hawk was about. I know Eli or somebody was doing some sort of experiment with it, but I never really understood what. Um, yeah, I got confused on that too. Yeah, the hawk, um, which they called Mordecai, mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess the original hawk was kidnapped during filming. Yeah. And held for ransom, and they couldn't wait for him to be returned, so they just got another bird. And then they're like, oh, it has whiter feathers for this such and such a reason yeah. to play it off, but it was just because it was a different bird. Yeah, like, oh, you're molting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going into like Gene Hatman's incredible ability to be in a dick. Um, that wasn't, he wasn't really faking it. Uh, okay. So what we got is Gene Hackman, knowing that he was near the end of his career, signed to do this movie under the agreed promise from Wes Anderson that it would be a fun and relaxing experience. This is not, this did not transpire and led to Hackman becoming frustrated and verbally abusing Anderson on set over trivial matters. Such was an extent, uh, of his frustration that cast members became angered and felt that felt that what Hackman was doing amounted to bullying, leading to Paltrow and Houston avoiding Hackman on site, on set. Uh, Bill Murray saw this happening and des- decided to intervene, calling Hackman out on his verbal abuse. I've actually heard, I've actually heard stories of Bill Murray on set calling people out on their bullshit. Uh, one story was that he was in Charlie's Angels, mm-hmm. part one. He's on part two. The reason why he's on part two is because he was on the set of Charlie's Angels that starred Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. Mm-hmm. He called him out. It was like, he pointed at Drew Barrymore. He goes, I get why you're here. Because Drew Barrymore has a long history of acting. He looked at Charlize, uh, not Charlize, Cameron Diaz, and was like, you're here because you're the cute one. He looked at Lucy Liu, and he was like, I don't understand why you're here. At all. And like, they almost got into a physical altercation that they had to be separated. He was like, fuck, I'm not coming back for Charlie's Angels too." Okay, but that's not calling someone out on their shit. That's just being an asshole. Yes. What's the difference? Really? <laughs> I thought I thought that was hilarious because it's like, why is Lucy Liu there? You don't think she has a history of acting and stuff? Yeah, sure. You want to call it that? I don't know any like that much about her, but like, um, yeah. Plus, she also has like. People liked her because she was Asian too, so she was just like the the Asian Cameron Diaz. True, because Cam, Cameron Diaz didn't really have a lot of acting, anyways, but and she she's cute. she's not that good at acting either. Yeah, that's true. Um, what else we got here? Gene Wilder turned down the role to play Royal Tenenbaum. Tenenbaum, because he retired. He retired. That would have been interesting to see Gene Wilder in the, in that role. It would have been because I immediately think of him in that elevator in... Uh, Willy Wonka? Yeah, Willy yeah. Wonka. I thought that would have been pretty dope. Um, but, I mean, we got Gene Hackman. It's still a great film. Yep. Uh, find anything interesting in the trivia section? Kelsey? Anything funny? Interesting? Uh, no. No? Okay. That's it. Nothing interesting. I don't... I mean, it's just standard stuff. Okay. Uh, okay, one more. One more. Wait. Wait. All right, one more. Uh, Danny Glover, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson turned down the roles in Ocean's Eleven to appear in this film. Uh, Wes Anderson has a, has a tendency to actually get really talented people in his films. Like, amazingly talented people. Uh, and I can see why. Because his movies tend to be really good. Yeah. I mean, he had, like, Oscar winner uh, Ralph Fiennes in the movie, uh, in the Grand Budapest. He has, I think Angelica Houston comes back again for the Darjeeling Limited as a mother. Yeah. Well, um, 
Even back to Isle of Dogs, like that one had a huge cast. Yeah, like Brian Cranston was in it. Yeah, but it had like, like I swear he had like thirty people in it. Yeah, and a lot of people they'll just want to just they'll just want to be in his um, in his movies because it's a Wes Anderson film. And that one, and that one wasn't that great, but I still love it anyway. Uh, yeah, I got I really got to show you uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's his best um his best film when it comes to stop motion animation yeah and, and isla dogs is like brian cranston edward norton uh jeff goldblum bill murray once again greta gerig francis mcdormand scarlett johansson harvey Keitel. yoko ono was in that movie holy shit <laughs> <laughs> fucking men the woman who broke up broke up the beatles wow <laughs> i'm actually shot by that <laughs> anyway so Kelsey. Yes. What? So, what's your what's your final opinion on the Royal Tenant Bombs? Do you uh, think it still holds up? D- does it bomb? Does it? <laughs> oh my does God. it royally? No, don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't Royal do it. ten and bomb. Just don't, just. I'll say that it gives. I give it a ten, and it doesn't bomb. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so yes. Yes, it still holds up, right? Correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay, cool. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so yeah. That's it. Ta-da. The end. <laughs> uh you wanna give people uh you wanna tell the listeners what we will be reviewing next week or for our next episode? What are we reviewing? Are you <laughs> Oh my god. We're gonna be reviewing Toy Story Four. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I didn't know if we could or not yet, so yeah, I well, thought we were movie, just holding that one in our pocket. Well, yeah, when the movie comes out, we're going to review it. It comes out next week. Okay. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah, yeah. And I also can't wait to talk about what happened in the theater. <sighs> Man, that's a story. Anyway, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to review Toy Story 4, um, the next movie that Sorry, our geriatric cinematic portion. Uh, we don't really know yet. We're tinkering around. Um, but we will talk about Toy Story 4. Yes. And that's about it. Okay. So, you want to tell, uh, tell the uh, listeners where they can find us? Well, you, you're so good at going through the spiel. Um, yeah, but I'm, you know, you, it, girl. <laughs> you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Real with two E's, no A. We are also at Appeal Real on, on Twitter. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, we are at Real Appeal. Real Appeal. And uh, we got a f- Instagram page open up. Oh, I don't, um, I haven't, I don't know that one yet. Oh, yeah. That one is The Real Appeal. Just The Real Appeal? The Real Appeal. We're going to be posting pictures on there. Probably posting pictures of like us recording and stuff like that. But, you know. Just give us a follow on all the social media. Give us a like on Facebook. Email uh, us. You know, email us. Harass be, us with your opinions. Be part of the show. You know, even if you're an asshole, fine. I guess you got your dick wet. Whatever. Well, film always attracts that kind anyway. So you know, yeah. if you want to be, if you want to be that, then let your asshole flag fly. <laughs> <laughs> asshole flag fly. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta use that somewhere. <laughs> uh yeah so that's it for tonight yep that's it uh that concludes our podcast and we'll see you next time bye